0: and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice. Dark Dice
0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian, and I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons—from angry audiences to audacious ampersands. And today we're talking about Aboliths. The
2: Dungeon Cast. All right, Brian. So today uh, is a monster mythos uh, episode, and we're and talking it's about not Halloween. Yeah, it's not Halloween no more. Cool. Yay. Well, not yay. I like Halloween. Halloween was fun. But now it's November, and now it's time to talk about eldritch horrors. So let's get into (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: time to keep on talking about stuff like it was Halloween. Right.
2: Well, Abolis aren't exactly eldritch horrors, but they have some eldritch ties. We'll get into it. So um, Abolis are are a a D&D original, much like a Beholder or or anything along those lines. Uh, It is essentially an enormous... Uh, sea green colored fish or eel like uh, amphibian creature with long with a long tubular body that ends in like a large tail um, they usually have fins alongside the, the like the crest of their head and uh, their sides and their back their face is composed of three eyes that form a, like a vertical line across like the forehead area or the top center of the skull oh. Um, They have an enormous lamprey-like mouth, so it's like essentially like this enormous circle with sharp, razor-sharp teeth all pointing in. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Lampreys are those things with a little light over their head, right? No, that's an anglerfish. Lampreys are, they're like those little eels with, like, Electros from Pokemon.
0: Oh yeah, sure. Lamprey, but, but you're describing the teeth mouth. kind of
2: like how the well exactly the like fish Electros, too, right? Like, well, no, anglerfish have like long needle-like teeth. Oh, these that's big what jaws. I imagined. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no not no. No. that. You, you remember the Pokemon Electros from yeah, Gen Five? Yeah, vaguely. It's like an eel. It's, it's almost like its its mouth is a circle, and on the rim of the circle, all the teeth are pointed inward. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, okay. that's what a lamprey's mouth yes? is like. Okay. okay. Was, uh,
0: like a uh, like a like a leech.
2: Kind of like a leech, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Uh, they also have four long tentacles on their sides. Um, so they're just these big underwater monstrosities. Mm. Um, and they're huge, too. Like, at adulthood, your average abalith will measure about 20 feet long and about 6,500 pounds. Um, and they continue to grow until they die, which is a very fucking long time because they're biologically immortal. Oh, okay. They it's
0: continue to—that's—that's that's redundant. <laughs> I, they continue to grow until they die, which is never.
2: Well, yeah, they're <laughs> biologically immortal. Oh, we'll so get, they'll die of they old age. They can be killed. Or no, that's oh, no, the you exact don't die. You of die
0: when you get swords in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yes. Um. Now that being said, like once they get to a certain like uh, size, their growth slows down to such a point where it's like, yeah, they grow one inch a millennia. You oh, know what I mean? Bummer. Like, so yeah. So. Like but they get really like, big. I thought so. you were going
0: to say like they grow to the size of their container. Like no, no, they're not like goldfish. <laughs> That's
2: hilarious. Um, they, I mean, an ancient abelith can be like forty feet or longer. Um, as As age, they actually also become categorically more powerful, which is pretty common thing. It's like dragons. Kind of yeah. um you know, There's there's the abolith and then there's the greater abolith, and there's the noble abolith, and then there's the ruler abolith.
0: That's one of the rules um, of fantasy is like if you're not a humanoid, you get to get more powerful as, as you age. As you age, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, in the five E monster manual, you only get the abolith. That's all we got so far. But these other ones do exist technically. Okay. I would just recommend upping the C R, uh the the challenge rating. Yeah, just
0: make 'em just make it just more make old it more and
2: more better. <laughs> Indeed. And bigger. Yeah.
0: So despite. One inch bigger.
2: Despite their alien and monstrous appearance, uh, Aboliths are actually most known for their inherent and very powerful psionic abilities and their hyper genius intellect, along with oh. their, um, their. They have a penchant for the enslavement of humanoid races. Okay, yeah. They much like the Illithids. They
0: don't have thumbs, but they know where to get thumbs. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, very <laughs> much so. For sure.
2: So, so where Aboliths come from is a bit of a mystery, but. The 5 U Monster Manual states that the aboliths have a connection with the elemental plane of water, basically saying that when an abolith dies, its body reforms in the elemental plane of water. Now, this is really, really weird because that's contrary to every other edition up until now. I don't know where they got that idea just because, like... All previous editions state the Abalists are most likely from the Far Realm. They're just these weird eldritch beings from before time. Okay. Um, Either way, it said the Abalists arrived on the Prime Material Plane before all others and that their existence predates even the gods. That's a big part of their mythos. We're going to talk about it. Okay. Um, While early life was developing, the Abalists reached out with their psionic powers and were able to seize control of all the lesser beings that were just kind of Crawling out of the slime at this point, sure. Um, and and because of this, because of their dominance, it, it made them like gods upon the earth, and they ruled the earth before anyone else was really here. And they built cities, and it's it's much like H.P. Lovecraft with the with the Elder Things. Yes, I, I don't know if you've. Uh, Oh, the story—the specific story, Elder Things. Yeah, no, you need to read the story at the Mountains of Madness. Spoilers for at the Mountains of Madness. I don't know if you care about spoilers for at the Mountains of Madness. I mean, here we go. Okay, here we go. (laughs) So, in the at the Mountains of Madness, they find these like weird pod-shaped beings that are really alien-looking, and they end up finding out that like. They existed before life really evolved on Earth. Mm, okay. And um, as life was evolving, they used their psionic powers to kind of rule uh, other beings, and they ended up making these other beings called the Shoggoth, which we're not going to get into right now. But they built these cities, and so did the Abiliths. And this is uh, Lovecraft's, like,
0: quote-unquote, prehistory. Like this how- is his prehistory yeah. in,
2: in Lovecraft. So basically for millions of years before, like, life really began to form on Earth, these elder things ruled the world. mm mm-hmm. um, and it's much like that with the abolis. Before uh, the humanoids or even before the gods existed, these abolis kind of built cities with their weird animal slaves and, and ruled the world. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was really hard to get that fish to swallow that rock and put it exactly where it needed to be. Right, yeah. exactly. So They did, they did
2: it. <laughs> so there's only two types of beings in the universe that really know the truth of oh. abolithic origin to oh, any certain degree. Okay. And number one is the gods themselves, obviously, because they were there. They probably saw it. And happened. they're also
0: probably like, oh, God, I fucking hate those things.
2: <laughs> yeah, probably. And, of course, all of abolith kind. Um, the gods are obvious because, again, they're immortal and they're, you know, all Somewhat omnipotent. You. Exactly. Um, but for aboliths, they're, uh, th- I'm talking about certainty here. Like, like a person can know something, but to only a certain level of, of certain certainty. But aboliths know that this... The, the history I just gave you is the truth for kind of threefold reasons. Number one abolish are biologically immortal so it's though they're still susceptible to disease and physical trauma um, it's more than likely that there's at least a few that are still around from the before time. Um, number two their hyper intelligent minds have perfect memory so Ooh. any of the ones that survived from the before times remember everything perfectly. So wow okay like no doubt in their minds, but more so than any of these things, aboliths possess what's called racial genetic memory. This means that each abolith carries all the memories of every single one of its predecessors. And those memories are perfect.
0: Uh, so there's an asterisk in your notes that says, go, see, go play Assassin's Creed.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) For information on that here. (laughs) Right, right. I guess there is some similarity there. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So, um, this can make, so abolists have like these insanely hyper intelligent minds that are like beyond the comprehension of human beings, um, that can contain all these memories. And these memories are so vast and, uh, happen over such a long amount of time. And they're so detailed because again, they're, they're eidectic or they're, they're perfect that, uh, an abolist can actually lose itself in its memories um not like lose itself but on purpose kind of get lost well kind of like
0: the way somebody would get lost trying to read every book in the library
2: i guess so yeah very very similar so uh, i can literally internet. be like i need to remember what a specific ancestor was doing two million years ago it could literally kind of do like a, a search engine search yeah. in its mind and it, it'll take its it, take itself some time to find the right area in its memory but then it can kind of go back and relive those memories it's like
0: watching documentaries on youtube and trying right. to show your friend one specific part
2: right go. exactly. exactly god damn it. no it's not here it's a little bit back oh did oh i miss god, it the fucking ad is playing uh, oh i know <laughs> <laughs> well with the aboleth what they can do is they can literally go back and relive moments of their lives and so they can actually spend years just sitting there remembering like it's almost like a, a like a VR like virtual reality. I
0: remember the 5 years <laughs> I spent with Dave. Yeah, well
2: I remember the 5 years my great 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 grandfather spent with Dave's great 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 grandfather. More like more like that.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, Cuz
2: they're going back into the memories of their of uh, their ancestors. Predecessors. So, okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, open up file. Great, great, great grandfather. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So
2: Abiliths, um as people, are incredibly self-centered creatures oh, with an immense superiority complex. Um, they know for a fact that they were the first beings in the world. And because of this, they see the world as theirs. And they have a very, very potent enmity for all these upstart races that just came up <laughs> and took everything. Okay. And they, they really, yeah. So they don't like basically everyone. Besides themselves, mm-hmm. um, also uh, they've uh, they've kind of sworn a vengeance against the gods, and as a rule, abelists are completely unreligious. Uh, this is because their memory is so perfect that the their downfall by the power of the gods when the gods finally showed up is still like a very fresh wound in their minds. Like, oh, yeah, it happened millions of years ago, but to them, it was like yesterday. Okay, yeah, so. They actively hate the deities. And, okay. And yeah. So if they had things their way, they would conquer the world and then take the fight to the gods. Um, but there's a there's a few things holding them back. The main thing being there, We can only swim. Yeah. Their <laughs> obvious inability to operate on the land. They're just so just like, how do we bring that. all the gods yeah.
0: underwater?
2: Right. So, well, let's talk a little bit about abalith Anatomy. So the way they breathe is kind of interesting. They produce this weird gray mucus um, in their mouth and I think on their body as well. And the mucus converts... Uh, both water and air to oxygen.
0: Sure, okay. But they don't
2: actually breathe, and like so, if they were to be robbed of their mucus, um, they wouldn't be able to breathe underwater or in the air, and they would suffocate and die. Okay. Um, that being said, they can be on land, and they won't die necessarily. But if if they're left on land too long, they will dry out. And so, in order to protect themselves, what they'll do is they'll their body will form like this weird protective like crust or shell. And okay. they'll go dormant, but oh. they're very vulnerable in this state. Like this, this crust is very, very uh, uh, hard and hard to break through. Okay, but if it is broken through, then they'll dry out permanently and then die. Oh wow! Okay. So yeah, a little bit of abalith anatomy for you there, um, but yeah. So they they can't they can't operate on land. I guess they're that information fish. is useful
0: for like, if you run into that, yeah, like, yeah. Like then your your DM can
2: like. Well, this is what you would do. Like, I could see, like, oh, what is this strange pod-like thing on the beach? Like, no one knows. Like, oh, someone thinks it's, like, the body of a dead whale. Like, oh, we should put it back in the sea. Oh, no, we fucked up. The aboleth is now taking <laughs> control of my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, I, so. hate
0: the, I hate looking at this thing on the beach. Can we just roll it back into the ocean? Yeah, exa- or that. That's <laughs> yeah. a much simpler explanation of what
2: I just said. So, yeah, yeah, So So it, so it is. I uh, think our friend
0: powerful. Jim can rage.
2: <laughs> uh, another thing kind of holding the aboleths back is uh, they're – Though they are powerful, without a doubt, they have some serious stiff competition out there, as you know. Yeah. Um, the challenge rating in the Monster Manual for the plain old abolith is only 10. It's a very potent 10 because they have legendary actions. They also have layer and regional effects, which wow, is very okay. powerful for a CR 10. But um, it's still a CR 10. Like, yeah. What are they going to do to a dragon? Nothing. Nah. dragon's going to fucking kill them. They need a lot of aboleths. Yeah. What's the you, number
0: of aboliths? Is that a thing?
2: I think that would be a mystery. We're going to talk about their life cycle maybe later. Okay, yeah, yeah. I can tell you what I've read. So, For the most part, Abolis dwell in the deep places of the world, kind of away from everybody else, and they just kind of brood. Um, They live in, like, deep oceanic abysses and underground lakes. A lot of them live in the Underdark, obviously. Um, Usually alone, but at times in groups of four. Um, These groups prefer the ruins of their own ancient and bizarre cities. Where they house themselves and they like enslave humanoids and okay and and they just kind of run their city. I say run their city, but there's only four of them, but there's a bunch of slaves. Yeah, okay. (laughs) So there that is, and we'll talk more about that after the short rest. Let's do the short rest. All right.
1: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind.
0: This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
1: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode that's not about the thing that we've been talking about up until just now when I'm saying this. It's about love for you, the listener. Thank you for listening to us. Thank and you. Thanks for telling your friends to listen to us. Thank and you. Thanks for telling people who are not your friends to listen to us. Thanks for telling strangers to listen to us, because that's happening sometimes. It is. Um, yeah, but um, let's talk about more ways to talk about us. <laughs> is, that, is that okay to say?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's the right way to put it. So All essentially, right. we have a contest going, um, I believe... I believe this episode will be dropping on the 12th, so there should be a couple weeks left in this contest where we are giving away two copies of the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which is the newest d d book. I'm Ooh. sure you've heard of it at this point. Yeah. Um, and if you want to get your hands on one of these two books that we're giving away, uh, all you have to do is share the show via either social media or word of mouth or however you really want. As long as you're sharing the show with another person and then you show us proof, whether that be a screenshot or a link or actual video of you doing it. Um, yeah. You'll be entered into the contest.
0: Yeah. You can totally, uh, you can totally um, go on to at the dungeon cast on Twitter and hashtag your stuff dungeon cast. We'll find it there. You can go on to our Instagram, which is also the dungeon cast. And I, I don't know, like tag a friend and, and, a post that I put up about this contest. Yeah. And uh then uh yeah, we'll enter you into the contest. There's more than one way to enter. You can get multiple entries across multiple platforms. Please True. keep that in
2: mind. And uh we'll be pulling two names from the from the list on November twentieth. So two, keep an ear out.
0: Two of you luckies out there will win a book. Indeed. Um come check out our Patreon. There's so much cool bonus content there.
2: There is, there's a lot now.
0: There's several quite, quite a bit. Several, several,
2: several, 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 several hours of bonus
0: content. Indeed. Um,
2: that's early episodes, live games. Um, yeah. uh, we actually have, uh, every year we're giving away like a specific exclusive dungeon cast item. So last year was t-shirts this upcoming year. We're doing dungeon Cast mugs. So yeah. you can get in on that as well. All you coffee drinkers and
0: people who eat cereal <laughs> the same way as me, be, be, <laughs> be roused. Indeed. Um, also, uh, also, uh, also, also.
2: Well also if if you want to see uh, or if you're interested in listening to or watching me and Brian play Dungeons and Dragons but don't want to dish into the Patreon, that's oh, yeah. fine. We have a live game on our YouTube channel called Super Quest Saga. Where um, well there was there was a recent twist in the newest episode we just recorded yeah uh, but no spoilers on that uh, but it's exciting and it's different and I I encourage anyone who likes uh, the Dungeon Cast go check it out you might you might get a kick out of us playing some D and D
0: yeah um, it's got some familiar people um, Josh Freeland and uh, and Jacob Casada thank you guys very much for participating in that those Indeed. are some familiars if you've listened to our Patreon content or if you're uh, an old fan of the show um, there's Definitely mentions of them Indeed. sprinkled throughout our history. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if you want to see us play Dungeons and Dragons instead of talking about it, go find us on SuperQuest Saga, which is on the Dungeon Cast YouTube page. But if you just want to keep hearing us talk about Dungeons and Dragons the way we normally do, then we can get back to the show for you. Let's get back to the show. Let's get back to that show. All right. And we're back. It makes me feel like Voldemort. What? What does coming back from short rest? Like the whole first part of the episode, you knew about us talking about what we were talking about, uh-huh. and then we went away for a little while, but now we're back.
2: Okay, I can, I can kind of see the connection. Let's right. find the horror crux for this, the rest of this podcast, Will. All right, let's do it. So back on Abiliths, um I, I spoke earlier about how they're really known for their enslavement of humanoids. Um, this is because they're really good at it. And they actually have multiple methods of uh, humanoid enslavement. Um, the first being the most obvious method. Uh, they have a psionic ability, aptly named Enslave, where <laughs> <laughs> this is a, it's essentially a powerful, long-term, like, psionic charming ability. Almost like a spell, but it's not a spell. So it charms, but um, what does it do? A, and it, thrall, it enthralls the target long-term. <laughs> nice. Which is what it does. You serve me now. <laughs> I, know, um, I know you
0: said it a bunch of times. I just got confused. Right.
2: So there's they have a less direct method, which is actually more... Um, Nefarious in a way, uh, it's just through plain manipulation. But it's sort of the kind of the way they do it—straight it. up pyramid schemes. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> so, uh, so all aberrants are uh, inherently uh, telepathic, and they all inherently have mind-reading abilities. Okay. Um, so two-way, like, two way.
0: Like, it, like they can send messages and then pick messages out of your brain. Yes, but they okay. can also
2: read your mind against your will. Right. Okay. Um, and what they'll do is they'll do this to like learn about a specific target. Um, and learn like their their innermost desires, and okay. then what they'll do is they'll entice loyal loyal followers with offers of their hearts' desires. Uh, furthermore, the obelisks or abelists will actually use their psionic abilities to override the senses of the humanoids that they're manipulating oh, man. to give the illusion as if those desires are being fulfilled. Oh no! So pretty gnarly, but that's one way that they they get slaves. This is
0: almost like illusion magic, but much more. But real. it's psionic, yeah. yeah
2: uh and then lastly uh so back on that that gray viscous mucus that i said they produce it actually serves two purposes the first is the breathing that i told you about but the second is it can be um like spit out and and what's what's the word like kind of soaked onto a person in order to induce a, a transformation in a in a humanoid oh no and this transformation's pretty pretty nasty it uh it it kind of burns off their hair and like their skin gets all like burned looking okay and they just kind of look weird but palpatine it, uh no because that's all wrinkly like they just mm. look like they look like radioactive mutants oh okay uh and um but most importantly what the transformation does is it robs the humanoid of their ability to breathe air and causes their skin to become a water breathing membrane that's why it looks weird Oh man! It um, also ooh, creepy yeah and it also uh, changes the victim's uh brain structure and their consciousness to that of a mindless thrall so that's <laughs> again a third enslavement ability that just make you a fish style slave exactly <laughs> uh you know and it, i imagine this is useful since they live underwater it's more useful to have their slaves under the water yeah i need somebody with thumbs down here stat Right, so the slaves are, are, for the most part, they're used to like upkeep the cities, perform their manual labor, uh, serve as warriors, and uh, even attract more slaves. Like, go out there and bring me more slaves. <laughs> uh, Tell your friends. One of the things they do, like, let's say there's an abolith who decides to live at the very bottom of an extremely deep lake, like in the middle of the woods, right? Oh, wow, okay. Well, one of the things it'll do with its slaves is it will have its its thralls. Form a town on the shore of the lake. Yeah. And basically be like this fake town that acts normal. But when new people come into town, it's like H.P. Lovecraft's story at the um, (laughs) Shadow over Innsmouth. Spoiler for Shadow over Innsmouth. But that's the story. There's a town, <laughs> and they serve something deep within the water. And when new people come to the town, they try and turn that person to another slave. Are
0: you trying to convert our Casper from the 1990s joke into? I, I guess everything,
2: <laughs> everything's Lovecraft in the Avalanche yeah. episode. I, I, I'm honestly, I'm literally uh, both connections. I'm literally making on the spot.
0: No, it really is a it really is a Lovecraftian
2: monster. Yeah, like, it, it really is. It truly is, really is just so. like
0: out of a straight up a. Uh, the straight-up pages of Lovecraft, this this could be yeah something in, in one of the so, books.
2: Th- so there'll be these towns of psionic slaves, and no one will know, and anyone who comes to the town disappears. Like, because That's so weird. This to town
0: slaves. is called Fake Town, but like it's <laughs> the only place we've seen in, like, miles, right. so I guess we so, should stop. I guess
2: we're going here. I don't know why um, they called it Fake Town. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a moment <laughs> to talk about the abolition abolith life cycle I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with that word okay because it is fairly interesting um so all aboliths re- reproduce asexually in broods of one to five offspring okay um which you know that sounds like a alien I just kind like of of cell to split do. right basically and it kind of I guess it kind of follows with the racial genetic memory. I, I don't know how that would work with two parents. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like I just made a copy of me and like the memory went with it.
2: Right. Okay. Now, every source that I've read says that Abilus naturally produce broods once every five years. but that's That really doesn't make any sense because they're biologically immortal. At that rate, there would be Abilus everywhere.
0: Right. Like, like that's so many.
2: Yeah. So to me, like that's the oh, first wait, thing that wait, would wait, change wait. about
0: that. We forgot about all the adventures killing Abilus. I mean, there, there ain't that many. There ain't
2: five, uh, five new abalos every five years. Many, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? There's
0: just a lot of, there's just a lot of really like high level
2: fishermen. I there's, guess like, so. a, like
0: groups of level twelve fishermen going out and like just <laughs> raging on these things.
2: Well, regardless of how often the the spawn are being born, um, they're all born with fully developed and adult intellect, including all the racial memories. Like from the moment it's born, it's just good to go. It's just really small. Uh, And because of uh, their small size, uh, they spend most of their uh, relatively short childhood uh, going through a period of staying close to the parent and obeying them in all things unquestioningly. I see. At age 10, all abilus reach uh, maturity level and uh, appropriate size, and they finally developed all their psionic abilities, uh, and they're ready to embark out on their own And uh, you know, found their own slave colony. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, just spread their wings. Yeah, indeed. Their fish wings. Yeah, they're, they're little fish wings. Okay. Oh, um, so, yeah, that's the Abolith. We can get into the stat block and, and stuff in a minute. I don't know if we got any questions about this strange fish creature. I have a lot of questions. Oh, yeah, let's hear it. Like, what <laughs> well, I mean, I, do I really have questions? Okay. That, like, I don't think I have anything
0: relevant to say to add to the conversation necessarily, other than like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're out there.
2: They're a pretty wild creature. I think they're really cool. How
0: I, did it get in the lake?
2: Um, Like, did it, like, <laughs> okay,
0: so it can, like, crystallize crystallize uh-huh. itself, it uh-huh. become a chrysalis, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Maybe it gained a lot of speed and caught a wave <laughs> and launched itself and crystallized <laughs> and then rolled into the lake.
2: I would say that the way an would get into the theoretical lake I came up with would be through a cavern from the Underdark and they found a way up.
0: Okay, that okay. That's reasonable. Remember, but there's really a lot like, of water in the. Underwater. I think my version explains why there are the amount of aboliths there are still even with their their high rate of reproduction mm-hmm. is because they keep trying to hit, make this lake and missing and then they break upon sure. the mountainside and yeah, dry up and die. There you go. Yep.
2: And here's another question: Like, let's say uh, abalith is isolated in a lake. Does it just not produce broods anymore?
0: Yeah. Does it anatomy change because it's not salt water at this point?
2: Oh, no, that doesn't matter. That doesn't well, matter the, that. I mean, like, they maybe, have the mucus.
0: Do you know how the, like, like saltwater animals are, tend to be more violent in general than, like, a oh, freshwater animal? I did not know that. I mean, there's a lot of freshwater animals that are, like, incredibly violent. They right. live in rivers and such. Okay. But, like, mostly, in, especially in North America. As a general like, rule. Dude, I got a salmon versus, like, a crocodile or... No, wait. Did I say the wrong thing? Did I mean, did I mean to say alligator?
2: Oh, no. Well, I mean, crocodiles... Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, sharks. saltwater sharks. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. definitely all saltwater. What? what uh, yes, sharks are more violent than salmon. That, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that goes without there saying. There you go,
0: freshwater, saltwater.
2: Sure. Okay, let's talk about the <laughs> abelis stat block. So, like I said, it's challenge reigning ten, but it's a very potent ten. Um, level se- or level seventeen. Uh, seventeen natural armor for its AC. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> about one hundred and thirty-five hit points. Um, what if it got some plate? It'd go up. Quite Can a bit. you imagine an abelis and plate armor? <laughs> yeah, I could well, probably. Well, it wouldn't be able in- to swim.
0: Um. No. Well, in last Airbender, Appa gets uh,
2: plate armor, and he can fly. Yeah, but that's magic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, they they have a strength of twenty-one, which is pretty potent. So maybe they could carry that plate armor. I mean, I'm dexterity offended, of basically. nine, constitution of fifteen, intelligence of eighteen. I think that's low. I think they should have an intelligence of twenty-three. Yeah,
0: genius level. Well, that's yeah. still very high though.
2: Eighteen is high, but eighteen is like a very smart human high. Oh. This should be twice as smart as that. Anyways, okay. Wisdom of 15, Charisma of 18, which I think is pretty fitting. Um, so they get a feature called Amphibious where they can breathe air and water. They have a Mucus Cloud ability where while underwater, the abalith is surrounded by a transformative mucus. Any creature that touches the abalith or that hits it with a melee attack while within five feet of it must make a DC-14 constitution save. On a failure, the creature is diseased for 1d4 hours. Ooh. The diseased creature can breathe only underwater. So you get a little bit of that that yeah. mucus transformation. Doesn't mention any enthrallment there, though. So maybe they've changed it's, that for It's five just like, minutes. I got to hang out in this pond for yeah, a little while. great. Now I'm stuck with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, that's pretty potent for, again, a uh, challenge rating 10 creature. Yeah. Um, Oh, they'll fuck you up. You're gonna have to hit it with melee attacks. Um, it has probing telepathy. If a creature communicates telepathically with the abolith, the abolith learns the creature's greatest desires. Okay. So don't don't reach out to it. Yeah. Um, it has uh, it can multi attack like most creatures can. It has a tentacle attack which does bludgeoning damage, uh, and there's also a a save that goes along with it, Constitution save to not become diseased. The disease has no effect for one minute. And can be removed by any magic that cures disease. But after one minute, the diseased creature's skin becomes translucent and slimy. The creature can't regain hit points unless it is underwater, and the disease can be removed only by heal or another disease-curing spell of six level or higher. Ooh, wow. When the creature is outside a body of water, it takes 6 acid damage every 10 minutes, unless moisture is applied to its skin before 10 minutes of... Uh, Pass. So that that's kind of a long-term fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah. So again, and that's just its basic attack. It's doing multiples of those every turn. It also gets a tail attack, which is just some potent bludgeoning damage. Um, the enslavability ability that we talked about, it can do that three times a day. The abalith can target one creature it can see within 30 feet of it. Target must make a DC 14 wisdom save to not be magically charmed by the abolith until the abolith dies or until it is on a different plane of existence from the target. I mean, when you live forever, three-a-day yeah. really starts adding up after yeah. a while. Yeah, the Charm Target is under the Aboleth's control and can't take reactions, and the Aboleth and the Target can communicate telepathically with each other over any distance. Whenever the Charm Target takes damage, the Target can repeat the saving throw. On a success, the effect ends. So you're like, if you get hit by this, you're permanently fucking enthralled unless something hits you then you get a chance to save again. Yeah. Um well not permanently because I guess once every 24 hours you can also make another saving throw. But theoretically yeah. it could be forever. And if you're like a peasant, you're never saving out of it. Yeah, that. once a day like yeah. you yeah,
0: that's not going to happen.
2: You also get legendary actions. So this is very much a boss level creature. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, the way legendary actions work is you get 3 legendary actions and then uh like uh, usually a short list of possible actions you can take and like how many legendary action points they cost. Okay. Does that makes sense? Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, with your points, you can use the detect ability where the Abilith can makes a wisdom saving throw check. So it can just make a wisdom perception check. Okay. It can just do that. See, that's that's so weird. I would just make that not cost an action.
0: <laughs> yeah, like it's reaching out like the, the Starship Enterprise to like find life or whatever.
2: Right. It can also use a legendary action to uh, make another an extra t- tail swipe on top of everything else. Uh, or it can spend two legendary actions to use a psychic drain ability. One creature charmed by the abolith takes... Three d six psychic damage, and the abalith regains hit points equal to the damage oh. the creature takes. Oh, so, it drains you! Yeah, very much so. Yeah, man. So, so
0: and it's charming people left and right. So, yep. like, one of its legendary, it's just like, oh, I charmed a bunch of people this round. Legendary action.
2: <laughs> yep. No, this thing, this yum, thing will mess yum, you yum, up. Yum. Like, maybe it's not so much that it's a challenge rating ten and that's low. Maybe challenge rating ten isn't really uh, too accurate. Maybe it's more of a twelve. I'm not sure here. So aboliths also have uh layer actions, which essentially if you if you're fighting a monster with layer actions, um they'll have uh a designated layer, like I don't know, like a dragon's cave, or in the abolith's case, like maybe their city, right? Yeah. And essentially if you fight a monster with layer actions in their layer, their layer gets to take actions, usually on like initiative count of twenty. And what basically, as the dungeon master, you'll get to choose between one of a few things of happening. So with the aboleth, like one of the thing, one of the layer actions that you can take is the aboleth can cast the spell uh, phantasmal force on as many creatures as it wants within the lair that it could see. Oh, wow, okay. Which, that's a very powerful spell that essentially, like... It's like it, everybody who showed up. Yeah, it's everyone who showed up. And the spell itself is powerful because it, it basically inflicts an illusion upon you that you can't really escape unless you save out of it. Right, okay. So you could literally just put everyone in their own, like, living hell, or or even in their own paradise, whatever. doesn't matter. Now they're helpless. Well, I think
0: the spell doesn't it have to like you like it implies that you like are fighting some creature that is born of your okay of your so peers. yeah it,
2: maybe it is inherently negative but my point still stands is that they're essentially helpless at this point yeah maybe not in mechanical like that flavor terms. because
0: the ableth does like oh it knows your desires can, right exactly you, yeah
2: another thing they could do is like let me see here we have uh pools of water within 90 feet of the ableth surge out uh in a grasping tide any creature on the ground within 20 feet of such a pool must succeed on a DC 14 strength saving throw or be pulled up to 20 feet into the water. Oh, so, you get water weirded. Yeah, you get water weirded essentially, cool. yeah. Um, there's also like sci- psionic damage it can do. Um, here, let me see. Water in the Abyss layer magically becomes a conduit for the creature's rage. The Abolus <laughs> can target any number of creatures it can see in such water within 90 feet of it. Target must succeed on a DC 14 wisdom saving throw or take 2d6 psychic damage. <laughs>
0: I feel its rage I know, through, through
2: the through water. water. Yeah. Furthermore, <laughs> (laughs) Aboliths also have regional effects, which are, I mean, they're kind of similar layer actions, but essentially wherever uh, abolith makes its layer... Within a mile or so of a radius of its lair, the region itself will start to feel some sort of magical effects from its power. So one of the things is all underground surfaces within one mile of the Aboleth is, are now slimy and wet and are difficult terrain. All water sources within a mile of the lair are supernaturally fouled. Enemies of the Aboleth that drink the water will vomit within minutes. Ooh. Um, as an action, the abalith can create an illusory image of itself anywhere within the the radius of the oh, region wow. and, and do stuff scare with scare the hell out of you. So yeah, it's, it's again a very powerful creature, a very scary creature. This is like this is like your your end boss for like a major like campaign that gets to like the middling levels.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you uh, you go on a you go on a like, camping trip with your friends mm-hmm. out to the lake. Yeah. And-
2: yeah something gets
0: you yeah there you go <laughs> there
2: you go i think the abolis is a really good monster for even a horror based game you know yeah uh, as long as you're keeping it mysterious to the very end there
0: a whole summer camp yeah. just vanished
2: but with that being said that's basically all i have on abolis i don't know if you got any questions no i think we should call it a game all right let's call it a game. we'll talk to you guys later